This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 27th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. In the wake of Hurricane Ian, thousands of flood-damaged cars and trucks are likely to enter the new and used car markets in the next several weeks, and they can be very problematic. We'll tell you how you can avoid being burned by one of those vehicles coming up. Toyota is considering a big increase in its production of battery electric vehicles, but it has a future date in mind. It's not going to do that right away. We'll tell you what that date is and why Toyota thinks that's a good place to start later in the show. And formal talks have begun between representatives of the European Union and the United States as the result of the passage of the Inflation Act, which is currently having a devastating effect on foreign automakers who build EVs. Maybe even more devastating going forward. We'll tell you more coming up. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. How do you feel about hyphens, Gina? I like hyphens. Uh, I also like dashes. Yeah, too. yeah. Dash is a little bigger than hyphens. Yes, sir. I'm Jack Nierad. With me is guest host Gino Effler. Gino is director of corporate communications at JD Power, an auto industry expert, a fine guy. He has co-hosted with us before, and thanks for being with us, Gino. Very interesting times in the industry right now, right? It sure is, Jack, and I'm glad to be here and. Uh... Happy to get chatting about uh, what's going on. Yeah, well, a lot going on. In the road test segment, I will be road testing the all-new 2023 Honda CRV. I had a chance to drive both the conventional and hybrid versions of the CRV during the North American Car of the Year testing this past week in Michigan. I was back there getting rained on and, and in, in the uh, difficult cold. Wasn't too bad, though. Got some nice photography of this vehicle as well, so I'll have a detailed report for you about that. And uh, we have a great interview. Mark Savino is Product Strategy Manager for SUVs and Trucks at Kia. He will be talking about the all-new 2023 Kia Nero. It's available as an EV, a plug-in hybrid, and a hybrid. And we'll discuss all three with Mark. Uh, but before we do anything else, we'll be bringing you some of the most important auto-related news from around the world. So stick with us for that with Gino Affler. This is Jack Nierad with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Gino Affler. This is Jack Nierad with you. Gino is guest hosting for Chris Teague, who can't be with us. He, he picked up his dog and hurt himself, so he couldn't do the show today. So Gino has graciously stepped in to co-host. He's done that before. And uh, a lot of news to comment on, Gino. And of course, you've been around this industry for a, a long, long time. You've seen things like this before. Uh, maybe not a market exactly like this before, but you've seen flood-damaged cars before. And we've talked about that uh, on the show uh, yep. yes, through the years. Have. I mean, Hurricane Ian, a lot of flood-damaged cars. In fact, uh, there's estimates that there are as many as... Uh, 400,000 that are going to be out there that are damaged by the flood. A lot will be totaled by their insurance companies and then go to market uh, as used vehicles. I mean, what should uh, consumers be thinking about when it comes to flood-damaged cars? Be very careful. Very careful. Uh, it may look like a great deal, but there's a reason that a vehicle's price is so low. It's so depressed because... 
keep in mind that cars these days are more a collection of electronics than anything else. Yeah, there's a, there's an engine up front, but there's so much electronic gadgetry in vehicles and it and water damage boy it's it's really risky as to how long that technology might work before there's a short or uh, you know before something bad happens yeah i mean wires can corrode from that water and they will function maybe in the moment and then at some point just fade away and you'll be out of luck and it, it's a tough one i think jack i saw one of the most viral pictures from hurricane ian was this uh, McLaren P1 floating, it floated out of a guy's garage, you know, a car worth more than a million dollars, and here it is up to wa- up to the windshield in, in high water, and, and, you know, I'm sure the insurance company is going to have to write that off as a total loss, but yeah, it's going to go to market somewhere. Some Somebody's going to sell that thing. You know, I mean, there's too much value there. One thing that people have to keep in mind, you might think, well, I'm not in the southeast. I'm not in Florida. I'm not going to be affected by this. But the fact of the matter is these flood damaged cars have a tendency to trickle out all, all across the country. Uh, I'm looking at some data from Carfax here. And, uh, you know, states like Texas, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, North Carolina, New York, Cal- even California across the country uh, are likely to get a bunch of flood damaged cars and, and people dealing with them. There are, are currently flood damaged cars in the market right now. You know, some of them were flood damaged several years ago, but Carfax keeps track of that. Kind of interesting that you're not immune from this, even if you're thousands of miles, potentially thousands of miles away from the where the hurricane hit. That's right. You have to be very conscious of that. And, and also in those surrounding states, uh, okay, what what is what does Florida need right now? They need used cars to replace all these cars they've lost or that are going out that have been damaged. Not all of them are going to be bought or sold in Florida. So there's a there's a need in the in the Floridian market, and that's going to be fed by maybe some dealers sending used cars from the Carolinas, from Georgia, from Mississippi, Arkansas you know, going to Florida to buyers there. So if you're in any of those surrounding states, all of a sudden an already tight used car market could get even tighter. Yeah. So it it just, you know, I caution people to just be very careful. Don't rush through the process of either selling a used car or buying a used car. Right. Do an inspection, you know, pay attention. Look under floor mats. Look under the carpet in the trunk. Uh, look at places where, you know, water might have gathered or, you know, there's some mud there, you know, little telltale signs that water has been in this vehicle because they can clean it up, but they won't 100% clean it up necessarily. And so no. uh, look out for that kind of stuff. It's, yes, and, indeed. And a uh, little, little tip there. Well, the United States and the European Union uh, officials have launched a task force now to try to figure out the ramifications of the Inflation Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, depending on how you want to describe it, which, among other things, has made it very difficult for foreign electric car makers to sell cars in the United States because they don't get they don't qualify suddenly, just overnight click. Uh, They don't qualify for the tax credits that they thought they would qualify for as they were developing these vehicles and starting to manufacture them. And this is a a difficult problem because this is something that has been enacted into law 
I don't think regulators can just go back and say, well, no, we, we really didn't mean that because <laughs> this went through Congress and was signed by the president of the United States. Right. So it's a problem, isn't it, Gino? I mean, uh, you have manufacturers, you've worked for global manufacturers. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't always build cars in the markets in which they're selling them. It may, kind of makes sense from economies of scale not to do that. Talk about that a little bit and, and you know the ramifications of all this. Right. And, and another element of it, Jack, I believe, was the the source, the, the country source of the batteries. Yeah. Right. That that influence influences as well as it is written in the law right now. And that limits a lot of U.S. or American branded cars whose batteries aren't made here. Right. Even the it's even the minerals in the batteries. You know, yes. the minerals in the batteries, you know, and these are this is something that almost never gets talked about. But these are rare earths there. And rare means there aren't many of them. Right. I mean, uh, by That's definition. Right. And uh, so many of them are not mined or refined in the United States for envir environmental reasons, among others. And so this is going to make it even more difficult. So in, in a bill that was supposed to, among other things, promote electric vehicle sales, this is doing exactly the opposite. <laughs> you know, maybe why, you know, some labeled it the Inflation Act instead of the Anti-Inflation Act. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely causing a lot of consternation, not only with OEMs, the manufacturers, but with dealers and, and buyers, because it's like, well, does, does this particular car, does it qualify for an incentive or does it not? And, and does, you know, does the, the, this particular state recognize it? Is everything in sync? And who's going to handle the paperwork? Do I have to go and try and get this money back myself? Or is the dealer going to do it? There, there's still a lot of rough spots in this process. And I think that's one thing they're trying to get straightened away for for, fut for next year, for future model years and whatnot, to, to take out some of these, shall we say, hurdles to get more people into electric vehicles. Right. I mean, these are these are giant hurdles. And, you know, Volkswagen, BMW, Mercedes-Benz, they're among the leaders in electric vehicles from the, the mainstream automakers. And they're essentially um, working at a great disadvantage. They're not totally shut out of the market, but they're working at a great disadvantage if they can't offer their customers $7,500 in tax credits while their competitors can. Right. And, and, the, and the government can't, with these kind of limitations, they can't see the adoption of EV ownership increase at the rate that they're hoping for when there's the incentives are so tight. Right, right. And when there, when there are fewer vehicles to buy, potentially, <laughs> right? I mean, just limited supply. It kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, I, I, another a company that could be affected by this, it's across another ocean, but it's Toyota. Of course, Toyota has a giant footprint here in the United States, but it builds its electric vehicle, the BZ4X, in Japan, it is looking at the possibility of increasing production of it and, and further EVs significantly by six or 12 times, this according to Reuters, versus its current monthly output. They kind of have dipped their toe in the water here as opposed to diving in from the, from the high board here uh, the way some other manufacturers have. But they're now, I guess, rethinking this based on, well, some legislation here and there. Um, they think that uh, maybe there's more, will be more demand for this, but there's a date and it's not now. They're looking to see what the market does over the next two or three years. And then 2025 is the date that uh, they might 
dive into the deeper end of the pool. What's, what's your take on that, Gina? I, I think they're taking a very wise position. Uh, and again, I'm just an observer. I, I'm not sitting in those boardrooms, but the commitment by some companies to go all electric really fast doesn't jibe with where American consumers' mindsets are about EVs. You know, that's the big issue I see with, with you know, they're being on, they're on two different levels and they have to get consumers on the same level uh, or the same mindset to, to get them to adopt EVs. Absolutely true. Well, when we come back, we will be road testing a very interesting vehicle, very important vehicle in the American market, and that is the Honda CRV. Uh, I had a chance to drive several versions of that recently at the North American Car that you're testing. So, with Chino Affler, this is Jack Nierad with you. Stay with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Gino Affler. This is Jack it is road test time here on America on the Road. Gino guest hosting for Chris Teague, who injured himself sadly uh, this week and can't be with us. Yeah, that's that's, that's what happens when you try to lift dogs. It's- yeah, and I think he has a big dog too. My dog is about twenty five pounds, and I I carry him around a lot because he's sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I guess Chris has hurt himself, and hopefully he'll he'll be healed and back on the show next week. But we can talk about a really important vehicle, and that is the Honda CRV. Of course, I think this is the sixth best-selling vehicle in the United States right now. It has uh, been perpetually in the top 10 for the last uh, at least decade. And this is an all-new version uh, that I had a chance to drive at North American Car that you're testing. So this is certainly an important car, not just for Honda. Uh, in fact, Honda says that the CRV has been the best-selling of all SUVs of any size over the last 25 years. Wow. So that's uh, a pretty big deal thing. This is its sixth generation. It's a five passenger SUV. And uh, it's based on a platform that also supports the Civic and the HRV, which I also had a chance to drive. There's an all new HRV. It's kind of weird that Honda would introduce an all new CRV and HRV virtually back to back. But talk a little bit about how important you think the CRV is to Honda and to the industry, Gino. I think it's a uh, a very important vehicle, uh, as you as you alluded to, huge sales for this model, a very popular model. Uh, a model doesn't get to the sixth generation without being really popular. I, I like the fact that this hybrid, you know, they they go from an EX version MSRP base at about thirty one thousand, uh, the sport hybrid about thirty two thousand. And it goes up the sport touring hybrid base at about 38.6. It's right in the sweet spot, I think, for a lot of middle class people who are looking for a car vehicle with the with the right size, the right capability, and it has that combination of gas powered engine and some battery, you know, uh, shall we say, generated mileage. Right? It's it's. That's why they call it a hybrid. It's got electric motor and it's got the gas engine. Yeah. And you, you can, of course, get it in a hybrid or a conventional uh, powertrain. The yeah. conventional powertrain has a turbocharged engine, so it's not precisely yep. conventional. But uh, that's interesting. It's a turbocharged 1.5 liter engine. And then the hybrid powertrain uh, is a little more powerful. And, of course, uh, better gas mileage as well, which is an interesting combination. Right. Now, th- now this this vehicle, Jack, as you know, it. it the CRV, it's never going to be known as a 
as a powerful vehicle. I mean, even the, uh, it's what, a 204 horsepower? Well, in hybrid form, yeah. And it's 190 horsepower in conventional form. Right. It's really meant for toting people and stuff around. Right? Yes. It's exactly. not It's not a performance car. If you want performance, look to something else. Yep. Um, I think it's interesting that they have trimmed the trim levels. They've kind of sheared off several because some of these trim levels, as you know, get so confusing and people can't wade their way through them. There are just four trim levels now. There's EX Sport, EXL, and Sport Touring. The two with Sport in them are hybrids. Maybe counterintuitive that that would, that would be the case, <laughs> but they have more horsepower. And then the EX models have the conventional turbocharged engine. Mm-hmm. And both are good. I drove both of them. I, I really uh, thought there's plenty of value in, in both types. I always wonder about the premium you pay for a hybrid. I mean, the added fuel economy looks so enticing, right? But then when you do the math, you typically find that what you're paying would pay for one heck of a lot of gas. Maybe not one heck of a lot of $7 gas that we're seeing in Southern California these days. Right. But one of the things that has always put the CRV forward is the fact that it can tote a lot of stuff and they've just made it bigger for this mm-hmm. year. The wheelbase is longer. Uh, it's somewhat longer. It's actually four inches longer than the Toyota RAV4, which is its head-to-head competitor. Uh, I found that interesting. It has a lot of uh, uh, passenger space, more than 100 cubic feet of passenger space and 39.3 cubic feet of cargo space behind the rear seat, so that's quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that cargo space goes up to 76.5 cubic feet if you fold down the second row, so that's even better. Yeah, I, re- I remember those early generations uh, of of the CRV and uh, the Toyota RAV4, as you were talking about, and then and the Kia Sportage came out, and, and they're all that small utility vehicle, you know, the kind of the first ones that were right. a, a small uh, SUV to see them over the generations get just a little bit bigger, the wheelbase just a little bit longer, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, you know, and, and so that that small vehicle has grown up to be a pretty big small. Uh, and, and I think they've all done it very, very effectively. You know, you look at where the Kia Sportage is uh, has been recently and you know RAV4 CRV it's it's a great little segment of the automotive industry I think. Yeah, I mean absolutely true I was just driving over this past weekend a 2023 Sportage Kia Sportage uh, that I'll report on probably next week actually and uh, it's a really good heads-up competitor to the CRV so uh, you know I'm uh, a little preview of what I'm going to be talking about next week, but they've done a really nice job with the CRV interior. Honda interiors have always been functional, but not necessarily great looking or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just uh, luxurious in any way. But they've done a very good job getting past that, I think, with this. They use a, a metal honeycomb mesh across the interior, looks very rich, looks upscale. Uh, hides the vents, among other things. It has round instruments that lie, they're in an, uh, a nacelle right behind the steering wheel, very easy to see, kind of old school in a way. It ha- actually has an analog, uh, like a real speedometer as opposed to a digital rendition of, a, of an yeah, analog speedometer. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Touchscreen info- infotainment, good climate controls with knobs on them. You know, you and I are maybe Luddites in that we like knobs as opposed to <laughs> waiting into menus to do stuff. 
And the USB ports are readily at hand, so that's good. They have what they call body-stabilizing front seats. And I don't know about you, Gino. I'm getting to the age where maybe I need a little bit of body stabilization. What do you think? Isn't that what the seatbelt's supposed to do? Help yeah, so hold it in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you don't have to throw yourself out. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, maybe they have a little bit more tighter... Uh, cushions around your ribs uh, keep you in place more. Yeah, I think it bolsters you a little bit and you know yeah. kind of positions you. You can have that in in cloth or leather depending. If you get the EX, you get cloth seats. If you get the EXL, you get leather seats. Uh, and I think these are genuine leather seats. We're seeing many faux leather seats, which are in in reality plastic, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, nice graded plastic. These are leather. A lot of driver assistance features. I mean. Yes. They pile it on. Um, yeah, that's important that. stuff, isn't it? These these driver it assist. Is. So much of that um, collision avoidance technology, you know, whether it's the low speed collision avoidance that keeps you from running into the back of the car in front of you or the lane departure warning, uh, we all kind of get distracted at one time or another. And so those technologies really help remind us and keep us in the moment. Let's talk about uh, infotainment systems. Okay. Uh, this is this has been an issue for Honda. They know it's been an issue. They know it's been an issue, frankly, uh, you know, because your company, J.D. Power, has pointed it out to them. We keep reminding uh, them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I think they have learned, uh, but maybe not quite as well as I would have hoped they would have learned because their, their base model, the EX, has an infotainment system that has both a volume knob and a tuning knob. But their up-level system, the 9-inch system versus the 7-inch touchscreen, only has a volume knob. It doesn't have a tuning knob. And I I don't know about you, it just, uh, whenever I get into a vehicle, it has those two knobs and they're just so, mindlessly you can just figure out what they do and, and use it. Uh, it works so well, I can't imagine why you would go away from that. Well, you, tell us a, a bit more about this. You know, you're, you're, you're spot on, Jack. For how many decades since a radio has been installed in an automobile, have you had one, one knob for the on-off volume control and the other knob for the channel, you know, to find the station you wanted? And even with modern technology, it's so much easier to use that. It's so intuitive. Uh, so easy, to, but but there are things about infotainment systems that just can either confuse uh, new car buyers. They find sometimes they find them difficult to use or difficult to understand, and and that's what drives down a lot of companies' satisfaction levels or their their scores in like the JD Power initial quality study, the 90 days, the first 90 days of ownership. They, we look at that and, you know, Honda has always been mid-packed a little bit low in, in that study. Uh, I, I think the last time Honda finished above industry average in the initial quality study was 2015. It's a long time. They, they've never been at the bottom, but they're just below average. Well, and 20 years ago, they were toward the top, weren't they? I mean, they, they yeah. in the 90s and in, yes. into the, the aughts, I mean, they were doing yes. really, really well. Back when, back when so much of that study was focused on the mechanical operation of a vehicle, and there was very, very little electronics or other things on it, uh, yeah, they, they performed very, very well. But then, you know, we want, we want to know what, cons- what owners think 
what are problems, whether it's an electronic problem or whether it's a mechanical problem, is it a problem to you? And, and if I can't, as an owner, if I can't operate it, that's a problem to me. And I will check off, that's a problem. You know, that, that it is what it is. And, but, uh, you know, that there's great potential for Honda, I think. Right, absolutely. I think great potential for the CRV. I mean, it, in both forms, with both powertrains, it's, it's yeah. fun to drive in its own way. It is not a performance fun to drive, but uh, a very useful vehicle for a lot of things. Good fuel economy, even in the in base form, 28 miles per gallon city, 34 miles per gallon on the highway, 30 miles per gallon combined. Good stuff. Around $30,000, up toward $40,000, frankly, yep. if you're going to get a, a hybrid that uh, has all the Zooty stuff on it. But uh, certainly something to take a look at. If you're looking for a vehicle in that medium-sized, compact SUV segment, I mean, the, the new 2023 Honda CRV is certainly one to take a look at. And when we come back, we'll have a great interview for you. Mark Savino is the product strategy manager for SUVs and trucks at Kia. And we'll be talking about the all-new 2023 Kia Nero. So stay with us for that with Gino Effler. This is Jack Nierad with you. And thanks so much for being with us. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll have Mark Savino for you. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Red back with you. And we are outside Encinitas, California. Maybe we're right in the middle of Encinitas, California, uh, driving a, a fabulous 2023 Kia Nero, all new, pretty much all new. All new. Uh, yeah. New platform. And, yeah. And we have a yeah. great guest, Mark Savino. Already started the guest, which is a great thing. Mm -hmm. He's a product strategy manager for SUVs and trucks at Kia. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure. This is an interesting vehicle, right? I mean, mm -hmm. this is a vehicle that's cutting across several different segments in some ways. There is, mm -hmm. certainly has several different powertrains. Tell us about the uh, 2023 Kia Nero. Sure, absolutely. Well, you started by saying it's all new, right? So new platform. But what we have kept the same is all the three powertrains that we've always offered, the hybrid, the plug-in, and the EV, right? And we, so we like to say there's a Nero for everyone's electrification journey. <laughs> um, the hybrid is great. You know, you just drive and don't have to do a thing. Uh, for those who feel more comfortable, the, the EV, the plug-in, you know, uh, all electric range. Um, the great thing about the cars... Some reasonable and new, uh, more all-electric... That's what I'm about to say. Around. The great yeah, thing yeah. is that, they, that, that, that what customers love about it, we, we're offering more. So fuel economy is now up to 53 miles per gallon for the hybrid. It's, the range is 253 all-electric miles for the EV. And then we're 33 all-electric miles for the plug-in. So more, more for all. More for all. Yeah. More for all. What was the basic strategy here? I mean, a lot of people are probably unaware of Nero still. Put it in context for our, for our listeners, would you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we made big splashes with our all-new Kia EV6, right? 100% EV, all-new, great platform. And Nero, but Nero has been around a little bit longer, right? Right. So and a well-regarded EV version of Nero in the previous generation. Absolutely, it's, it's award-winning. It's won a, a few JD Power awards for uh, best uh, EV. And uh, the thing that's great about it is that it's, it's it's our entry into the EV brand from Kia, right? So EV6, our halo. Nero's you know positioned as the more 
uh, attainable version. So that's its, right. that's its mission. By that you life. mean it's less expensive. There you go. That was like my marketing <laughs> words. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Attainable. Right I like that. Yeah. It's cheaper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Three, three flavors. Yep. Uh, most people uh, are probably going to buy the hybrid. At least that's your best guess as the product planner on this. That's what has historically been the case, the, and that's what we're planning. Yep. Right. And then EV is the next one, and plug-in hybrid, the, probably the least of the three. Sure. But yep. let, let's go through those. I yeah. mean, hybrid's the volume Absolutely. leader, certainly. Yep. So walk us through that vehicle, powertrain, what it offers. Got it, sure. So the hybrid uh, powertrain is similar to the outgoing car, but it's been really massaged, and that's how we get from the previous 49 to now at 53 miles per gallon, right? The thing that's also great about it is this is the most fuel efficient crossover vehicle on the market anywhere, right? So, um, so that's a really great thing. Our customers love it because it has the utility, right? It has the crossover utility, fold those seats down, throw stuff in the back, put the dog in the back. Um, we have a lot of, um, you know, we have the seat height, the nice, uh, you know, a little bit higher than the average sedan. So it gives a lot of our customers say it gives them a, a little bit more feeling of confidence on the right. road. I mean, they call these crossovers in a crossover for a reason, right? right I mean, right. In, this, in the Nero's case in particular, right? This Absolutely. is like a cross between a sedan and a, a, a small SUV. Handy size, I think. It's you a know. great size, easy. So that's, that's the other thing that's great about it is it's small on the outside, big on the inside. So you know, easy to park urban areas, but then you don't have to sacrifice too much. You have plenty of space inside. Right. Yeah. Well, we were just driving the uh, hybrid version. Yep. And uh, you had a good time in it most of the time. There was a Great minute or time. two, not, not so much. But <laughs> more, my driving, more my driving than anything else. <laughs> but, uh, you know, certainly a nice handling vehicle. We talked a little mm. bit about uh, the uh, suspension tuning and tires yeah. and that kind of stuff. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure, definitely. So, you know, we, we really crisped up the the handling, the, the steering. So it's a very direct, it's really fun, easy to drive, which I think adds to it's overall just easy to, to use or, you know, the, the one car that basically does it all for you. Right? Yeah, you can do a lot of things with it. You can have fun. Uh, you know, we were driving kind of yeah, quasi-mountain you, you, you roads You were having there. fun with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I could I'm, tell I'm, you were I doing it in the much curbs. much more fun than you were probably. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but it was, exactly. It was a good time. Exactly. And, uh, full of utility too. That's right. That's right. And I think that was makes it such a cool and compelling package. There's nothing like it on the market, right? I mean, you know, we we have the the great you know compact size exterior and uh, large interior. If you want something that large like that, you have to go up to another segment. So you're spending more money. You have a larger car to park and maneuver. So um, or vice versa, you can go lower but then you don't have all that space. Then you don't have the space, right, right. yeah. There's the front drive platform. That's all right. of them are fr front They're drive. They're all front right. drive, right. yeah, as always. Yep, that's right, that's right. So, so, which is great also because we talk about the, you know, the great traction of front drive, right? And a lot of new EVs, are rear drive based, including our EV6. Yeah, which, most of the entry levels are rear drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. So, so which means that, which is, you know, it's great on its own, but what it also means is if you want all wheel drive, you know, with an EV, what does that mean? That means a motor, right? You have to spend money now for dual motor and motors aren't cheap. So, you know, spending a couple extra grand to go from a rear drive to the all wheel drive 
traction. In the case of the Nero EV, that's you know not even ne necessary. Right, so and a lot of times that knocks down your range too, doesn't it? Your total range. By it knocks going down the range too. Drive. Exactly right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So we you know so we we say you know front wheel drive is so practical and it makes so much sense for so many of our customers. Yeah. So the hybrid fun to drive. Yep. A lot of fun to drive. Then let's let's go to the plug-in hybrid, even though that isn't next in terms of volume, because there right. are certain similarities, obviously, between the plug-in hybrid and the hybrid. Why don't you tell us about the differences? Yeah, okay, sure. Well, so first of all, the plug-in hybrid has a bigger battery, right? So that bigger battery allows the 33 all electric miles. So which is by the way 25% improvement from the outgoing car, right? But it also means is you get more power, right? So bigger uh, bigger battery, more power, uh, 180 horsepower combined now compared to the hybrid at 139. So it, it's that so you you had fun in the hybrid? Yeah. When you try the plug-in you'll have even more fun. Even more fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people look at 33 miles of all-electric range and, and you know, maybe they shrug their shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. But they sh really shouldn't, right? I mean, Absolutely. having used that kind of day-to-day -day and, and understanding that a little bit better than somebody who hasn't done it, right. describe to our listeners why 33 miles of uh, all-electric range is actually a pretty good thing. It's not bad. Yeah, we, I know we all say more, we want more, more, more. Uh, but if you actually start looking at your life and how you drive, you know, for a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people, you know, work is 20 miles away on average, right? Especially if you have a charger, if you're lucky enough to have a charger at work, you can, you know, all electric from home to work. Maybe you can plug in at work, all electric back. Or even if you don't, even if you, if you, you know, drive back, you have the extra, the backup uh, that the that the plug-in provides. So right. you're using so much more of your all battery power yeah. that you're going to the gas station. You know, we talked to customers, I haven't been to the gas station since, you know, last year or whatever. So you really could stretch out your fuel tank. Yeah, and typically that, that electric power is cheaper than gasoline. Certainly Special. here in Southern California, Special. where we, we just saw what, $7 Starting gas? with the seven. seven Starting with the gas. seven. Yeah. <laughs> But even with $6 gas, I mean, right. it's much better. That's right, that's right. Especially if in, a lot of our customers charge at home. You, know, not, you don't have to necessarily, but you know, even with, with a plug-in, that's another really small but nice advantage is you can just plug it into your you know, regular socket because the battery, the battery pack is not so big like a, a full EV. Yeah, you're going to get a full charge overnight. Overnight, easily. Of, yeah, easily overnight. Yeah, that's right. And then, and then that, and if you do it overnight, then you know, rates are lower, um, so it'd be a lot cheaper than filling it up with $7 fuel these days. Right. And you know, as a car for running errands, a lot of us don't drive 30 miles in a day. That's right. I, you know, I, certainly my wife would not do that. <laughs> right. Know, well, EV is probably the shining star of all of these, right? I mean, certainly we're looking at EVs as sure. uh, a lot of people are predicting an EV future, an electric vehicle future. So sure. give us the, the, the data on that one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So this one, the, uh, the battery pack, 64.8 kilowatt hours, and that translates into just over 200 horsepower, uh, 0 to 60 in 7.8 seconds. And uh, but you know the creme de la creme the the range all electric range 253 miles so that's uh, up from previous 239 so um, you know super easy to car to to, to live with um, smooth power delivery um, I haven't mentioned in all of them but especially the EV just really premium interior you know we got all the the, the bells and whistles 
We've got the head-up display. We got the dual 10.25-inch uh, displays and that panoramic display look. Uh, really modern. Really, you know, we we, we hear upscale techie. That's the yeah. And yeah. this is a vehicle that isn't in, in the overall scheme of things. Pretty is pretty inexpensive uh, yes. compared to the average price of a car, right? That's right. Oh, I mean, the hybrid starts at 26490 Yeah. Yeah. So that's very attainable. That's right. As we say attainable. That's it. That's it. That's very And I've got to believe that the EV prices, the Nero EV, will be priced less than the EV, than the key EV6, which is kind of your flagship. That's right. The flagship. And the EV6 starts, you know, like, what, low 40s, 41. Um, so yes, that's a very good assumption. Yeah. We could we could say as that that much absolutely, right, absolutely. Right, right. What are some vehicles you think are, are competitive to to the Kia Niro? Well, that that's what I was kind of building before, which is you know there's so few. We're almost in a class of one because of our unique size and, and positioning and pricing and front front drive. Front drive, right? Yeah. Exactly. So like, but you know when we're you know pushed to it. Um, you know, we, we do look at a RAV hybrid or CRV hybrid escape. I mean, th those are high cross shops with us. Uh, Prius is still cross shopped, even though it's a, not a crossover, it's, a, it's still a hatchback, but you know, customers are looking for good fuel economy. Um, and that's on, that's on the hybrid side. When we look on the EV side, uh, a Bolt, Bolt EUV is a very similar concept, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, similar positioning. Mm -hmm. um, we looked at, you know, ID4 gets some cross shop. But yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much that these segments are all still new. Yeah. So we're well, still. Well, and that, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, with EVs, it's it's kind of like everybody's been thrown in a hat and kind of shaken up a little right. bit. And right. There's a lot of segment vendors in, exactly. in the EV Exactly. Exactly. So we're still getting these solidified. I think, and connectivity critical to this kind of buyer. Right. 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 Uh, right, right. Talk about what, yeah. you're, what you're offering, because there's a lot. Yeah. Know, I think, especially in, in a car that isn't regarded necessarily as premium, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we have, um, so we have, one of my favorite things about it is we have this, this very connected display. So in the EV, for example, we have two 10.25 inch display screens, and they're in the kind of, in, in, a, in a connected, we call it panoramic view. You wouldn't really know that there were two screens there unless right. you had a product plan right. person telling you exactly. that. It looks, like a, a long, long, continuous, yeah, cinerama kind of sweep. exactly, exactly. So that's and that's standard on the EV, for example, and even on the hybrids and the plugins. The you know that center display is is uh, available. Mark Savino, thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate. it. I really enjoyed talking with you. It's my pleasure. I love talking with you about our Nero. Terrific, and stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with guest host Gino Effler, Jack Nerad with you. Chris can't be with us today, but uh, we think he'll be back next week. Hopefully he'll recover from the dog-lifting incident that uh, injured him today. We do have a listener question, and this is listener question time. And here's a question I'd like to ask you, Gino. Bill in Arlington, Texas, says this. Everybody seems to be talking about EVs right now, but I don't know if I can deal with an EV day-to-day. Would I be making a mistake by buying a regular gasoline car or an SUV right now? You wouldn't be making a mistake by buying a gasoline-powered car, not at all. If if it's if he looks at you know in Arlington, Texas, what, whatever the price of gas is, if he says, "Hey, that's fits my budget," you know that it's not like 
gas-powered vehicles are going out of style and going all going to the crusher tomorrow or next year. So no, he wouldn't be making a mistake. It'd be fine. I, I think in terms of his his interest or consideration of EVs, maybe that's where he needs a little guidance. And I would suggest if you have friends, you know somebody, friends or coworkers, somebody who owns an EV, it's a it's a different. I'll say lifestyle with your car, different relationship with your car. Uh, I would talk to them about the pros and the cons. The pros, I'm sure, are, gee, the money I'm saving at the gas pump. Okay, but how much are you spending each month with your electric utility? What's it costing you? How far do you drive it? Right. Uh, you know, each week. And how and, much and, more did you pay for it than you would have paid for a, a similar that's gasoline right. car, right? Exactly. How, how much more was the MSRP? So, uh, you know, is your monthly payment? So I think that's something to take into consideration. I think the bigger mistake would be to sta be stampeded into buying an EV now before you're ready and before you've done your homework. I really yes. think that would be a much bigger mistake. Absolutely. I, I mean... I'm not ready to make that move yet. I'm very happy with the gas-powered car that I have. And, you know, the next time it's we come up to maybe getting another car, I'll take a stronger look at it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Do your homework. You yes. know, make a considered decision. You know, don't be stampeded into buying one or the other. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, don't exactly. That's the, that's the best advice you can give them is don't be stampeded into doing something that, you're not necessarily convinced is the right financial decision for you. Well, that's our show for this week. Our thanks to Gino for guest hosting so ably. Great to see you, Gino. Thanks so much for doing it. Jack, my pleasure. Always a, always a great treat for me to sit in and, and uh, you know, I, I don't lift dogs, so I'm readily available. Good, good. Well, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And our thanks to our Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. Most of all, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to all of you for listening to America on the road each week. We really appreciate it. And join us again next week for another edition of America on the Road.